this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. We're talking Kathleen Murphy's TED Talk. Get serious, get smart, and get going. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Yo, what up, AfterBuzzers? It's your boy, DJ Jesse J, live in studio to talking TED Talks. And you know, I got one of my favorite people in the whole world. Oh, and you're back as well. It's Yaz and Tamaris. We're back here, but it's our final episode of the season. So sad. But we'll be back. You know what I mean? We, we gotta just go back. handle some stuff. And yeah, we'll summer yeah. coming up as well. Yeah. We're ending it. You're looking the- bomb. Thank you. I'm living for this thank you, color. Thank you, thank you. You okay. know, green from money. That's what we're talking about today. Coin. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the speaker. <laughs> so Kathleen Murphy. Wasn't a fan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's, whilst he's sipping on his tea. Um, well, <laughs> Kathleen Murphy, the speaker, she is the president of Fidelity Personal Investments, which is a unit of Fidelity Investments and has more than 12 million customer accounts. With, an as- with assets of $1 trillion, she was profiled by Fortune as one of the women of power in 2010 and one of the 50 most powerful women in banking back in 2008. She occasionally guests on CNBC as well. Though she's not joining us here in studio today, we have some very, very special hey. high-profile guests, experts related to the field. So let's welcome Brittany Castro and Will Rassman. Thank you so much welcome. for joining us here today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. So just a little bit of a background, of course. We want to let everybody know who you are. Um, so Will Rassman, you're an entrepreneur and public speaker, author, as well as a certified financial advisor. Um, financial planner. Planner. That's yeah. There's a difference there sure that would be actually good. Good to break yeah. down. <laughs> um, and you help celebrities and non-celebrities alike to help them manage their monies and enhance their living financially. Correct. Yeah. My my current company that I um, I partner in is, is called Centric Capital Advisors. It's down on the west side of L.A. Uh, we have clients all over the country. Um, my book that I published at the beginning of this year is called Atlas Shift. And I have a bunch of other projects. Too, Atlas, Shift. Mm. Atlas Shift. Atlas Shift. 
It's on Amazon. On yep. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And Brittany Castro here. You're the uh, founder and CEO of Financially Wise. I came across you through a Financially Wise Women workshop, which was pretty epic. So what you deal with through your company is also financial, financial planning, online money courses, uh, financial wellness workshops, mm-hmm. um, as well as speaking engagements and brand partnerships. You're also a certified financial planner, yep. a chartered retirement planning counselor, mm-hmm. accredited asset management specialist and entrepreneur and speaker who's been featured on CNN, CNBC and the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times. I've just seen you on Angelino as well. Mm-hmm. That yeah, just came yeah. out today. Congrats. Thank and you. Um, and also ranked as the sixth Investopedia top influential financial advisor in 2017 and elected as one of the 22 women to watch by Investment News in 2018. So congratulations on that. Hashtag goals. Yeah. All right, look at this room <laughs> over here. Finance is rolling and on. <laughs> so uh, let's get into this, though. Get serious, get smart, get going. Financial planning, advising, you know, Kathleen had a lot to say. Or she, I felt like it was honestly like she was kind of like the introduction to a book, right? Honestly, personally, I I was with her at the very beginning, and then I felt like when I left it, did I feel like I really learned about where I should be investing, personally watching that? I don't think I did. I think that it was listening to uh, something that my mother would say to me growing up. Like, I'm just keeping it real. Uh, You know, um, as a speaker, some of the facts that she said, what was your your take, Will, specifically? Like, what what did you watch? I think that she's a fantastic speaker, Mm -hmm. obviously, and she's worked her way up the corporate ladder, which is no small feat. Um, I, I think that she did lack... Uh, some substance around the actual kind of pithy takeaway type of thing. Yeah. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It was like um, always great setups, but then where are we going to go with that now? Right. And also, um, I think that you know one of our jobs as financial people is bringing people solutions. Mm-hmm. And not just highlighting the problem. Yeah. So here's the problem. And then she says, here's the problem. Okay, and here's another problem. It's like, wait, well, what about the solution to that? I one? left stressed. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I left anxious. I did. I left a little anxious. Like, okay, I'm well. Now I'm in my thirties. Like, am I behind on this chart? You know, um, <laughs> Brittany, for you, you, yeah. Yeah, I. You know, in the beginning, I just felt, look, she's very qualified. Yep. This woman is a badass. You know, in corporate finance, it's no easy thing to do. Um, I think the relatability factor was missing. Is specifically, there's a difference in age. So mm-hmm. I think anytime twenties and thirty year olds watch a speaker that is of another age group, it's hard to relate because there is a lot of like, yeah, here's what you should do, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, great. But real talk, how do you pay for Uber and go out with your friends and have a vacation and still save for the Mm -hmm. future, right? That's Mm -hmm. kind of what we always want to know. Like, am, am I 
doing okay. Like the conversations that I have with my friends is like, man, we're all making great money and it's still difficult to live in a big city and mm-hmm. save and have these goals. And how do you know how to filter what you want based on what everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. with social media and Instagram? Like the influence is no joke. You got to be very diligent about what you want for yourself and how to use your money wisely because it's, yeah. it's about that balance of. Yeah, we want to enjoy money today, not just save it all for the future, but also how do we get smart about that? Mm Because there are specific challenges. Mm -hmm. Well, I like the way that she opened up with touching upon what you're saying of, you know, today it is a very different context. It's like there's a stat out there, 60% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. It's becoming difficult to really like look for tomorrow because you're kind of more based on today. But it is important to save for tomorrow, essentially. I think that's one of the hardest things is how do you overcome immediate gratification in this world? Because everything's a click of a button and it's bye bye. And social now, media now, has now. created social that media, even worse now. Travel. I mean, just think about how we travel. Um, it's so much easier. So now it's like, oh, we want to just go travel everywhere all the time. But the reality is, okay, maybe that's not always the best thing to do. (laughs) Wow. And so I think that that goes, that kind of piggybacks on something I've been talking a lot about in podcasts and stuff, which is our relationship with sacrifice. Mm. It's been so warped now because you can just click a button on your phone and everything, and then all of a sudden it shows up or the problem's gone or whatever it is. And, um, you know, The people that came before us, meaning like prior generations, would be astounded with the level of wealth that we have, but also astounded by the amount of anxiety that we carry, right? And so a lot of that, I think, has to do with our relationship with sacrifice in that we don't feel like we're giving up very much Mm -hmm. for what we have. Mm. Well, so kind of speak on that. That's actually hilarious you say that because I talk about that with my mom a lot. You know, uh, growing up and not really with finances or things like that, but it was like, you know, well, I guess it was actually. It was like, you know, we went on vacation once a year, maybe. Maybe. And we were going to find the best, cheapest ways to do that. And, you know, you work hard and you go to bed early and you do. You sacrifice this. Uh, Where would you speak on that? Kind of bring a little as far as nowadays, I feel like people hear the word sacrifice and it's a negative thing. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, sacrifice. I'm not giving up my time. I'm not going into the office early. They want me to continue doing this after I've already left the office. Like what? We live in this generation where... We don't want to be in the office or we don't want to, you know, we don't want to sacrifice our personal time, but not understanding where career and sacrifice actually are yin and yang with one another. So the the way that I like to think about it, and I think that's why one of the things that I've talked to people about is that a lot of financial discussions nowadays are rooted in philosophy and psychology because just talking on very... uh, very broad brush strokes, kind of like our speaker did. Um, it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't feel like it goes anywhere. I think mm-hmm. to your point. So when when I'm talking with sacrifice to people, I usually tell them, no matter what you're doing, there's a cost and a benefit to everything. Right? There's there's always two sides of a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So figuring out what the cost is to what you're doing is. Is, bite, is as important as figuring out the benefit. And we're so focused on figuring out the benefit, right? So if I buy this one thing, what's my upside? What do I get? And we're not, we're not actually taking stock of or taking inventory of what is the downside of that. So that might seem a little kind of ethereal, esoteric. So maybe an, like an example. Mm-hmm. example. So 
let's say we are um, we're we're out and about and and we're uh, we want to to we're car shopping and we want to buy you know a, a new version of the car that we have right and we say all right so here's all the the upsides of of this new car and that it's newer and it's nicer and my friends are going to like it and all this and we look at one side of the balance sheet Mm -hmm. and then we say what are the things that i'm giving up for later on i can no longer save the 300 dollars a month that i was saving because now that's going to go towards into a down payment and then also monthly payments thereafter and um and then you know that spider webs out into all sorts of stuff about where that 300 dollars a month was going and then um you know the the ripples of there's a really interesting metaphor and then i'll shut up after this one um about uh so there's a, a road going straight from los angeles to new york i know that you originally you went to you're from new york yeah. right? new york i so, drove there <laughs> so so you know it you i know drove that road. road yes so so let's imagine that road is as straight as an as straight as an arrow straight as it can possibly be and there's a white line painted down that road and you have a car and you you Put the steering wheel in a way so that you bolt it down and then you turn the car on and it goes right to new york right mm-hmm. if you turn that car around and do the same thing but you move the steering wheel one thirty second of an inch to the left right the car's going to end up in the gulf of mexico mm-hmm. it's not going to end up in la so the smallest things that we do today have an outsized mm-hmm. impact on the later things that we do mm-hmm. and that's exactly how she opens up is money creates choices yeah you know you can think about like whether you are going to be investing on into your future, into housing, into your kids, whatever that is, and then she goes into you got to understand your financial situation. And I think going back to what you're saying, Brittany, today of like how there's a lot of like, like let's say the younger generations that go into school, into college, end up with debt, end up with credit card debts. And then they have to, if they are lucky, obtain a job that may pay them like 35K a year, which isn't much at all. If but that's luck. the reality, if they're lucky. <laughs> if they're lucky, maybe. You know, I mean, I feel you. I'll be out here. Like... Yeah. And, and so it's essentially like, once you start making that money, as an example, if we call this student here that has gone through that dynamic, which seems to be a lot of... A majority. The, the majority of, of, yeah, the people here in the United States, at least. Um... How do you make it? How do you make then money work for you if you're living on on such a like base, and then want to be able to spend and enjoy, but also know that there's a limit? Yeah, I think a lot of it too is like what you're talking about is um, getting in touch with expectations, mm-hmm. and you know you can't expect to come out of college and then have this fabulous Instagram influencer <laughs> life. You know, it's like the reality is you got to put in some work, make some sacrifices. Going back to the sacrifices. Mm. Going back to the sacrifices. <laughs> but even now, like, I think for myself, I still have to, you know, no one's immune to this. This is the world we live in. Like, we think we can have everything now. But the truth is, when I work for something and I put my head down, what I get out of it is so much more satisfying mm-hmm. because it's a cliche. It's all about the journey, not the destination. Mm-hmm. And I think the anxiety is real. Like I'm actually creating a new course about money anxiety because I think a lot of times we have anxiety because we're anxiety comes from future. Like we're in the future and we're trying to plan and we're not even in the present. So no, we're, no one is living in the present moment anymore. Like 
no one. Literally. Literally. And so that's where the anxiety is, right? Because we're like, oh my God, if I don't get this job, then the student loan debt, and then it's, oh my God, and then I'm going to go bankrupt, and then I'm never, and then it's like this ripple effect of downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And instead of just remembering, okay, I'm here now, I'm in a studio, I'm talking to you guys, here's what I'm going to do. And then from that place, you can feel more centered and then take the next action, right? Because that's really what it's about, these baby actions that lead to that significant end goal. But if you're constantly focused on the end goal with whatever it is, retirement, travel, getting the home, it's once you're there, we all know this, then you're like, okay, great. Yep. Now what? What's yeah, next? Right. Next, next, <laughs> it's next, almost like next. stripping everything down, like getting back to what, I mean, I guess we've always been like this as a, a society, but... I feel like there's there's so many distractions, and yeah. a lot of it is media or so, uh, instant gratification, yes. and you know just life of we live here versus living here. You know, what I mean, one right. thing that I love coming in and doing this is actually having a 45 minutes to sit down and talk to somebody and look them That's in their so eyes. Because nice. yeah. even when you go moments. to work and you see people's heads are down, they're, they're they want to be here. They want to listen, but they I don't. Know. Almost, they don't know how to con- make that connection back. Um, I want to talk about some. Of the she gave tips, right? <clears throat> and I want to hear your y'all's opinion because you guys deal with this on a daily basis. So, is this kind of the same information that you would give to someone that you were sitting with? You know, in their twenties, she said, in your twenties, learn financial free sources. Don't pay for fees, um, and really focus on budgeting uh, and debt management. Mm-hmm. I, I, w- yeah, I agree. I think learning about money management in your twenties is so valuable because that's the time in which you're probably going to make career mm. changes, figure out who you are, figure out what you like, what you don't like, what kind of lifestyle you want to live, how much that's going to cost you. So along the way, simple things of learning how to budget. I mean, no one got a financial education growing up. So I think we can But all... how do we make that actually, like we talked about schools, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. This is something that is extremely important. It's and a it life is skill not, that you have to know and learn, really. I mean, but I don't. What I don't understand is why it's not in like high schools. Like in college, you can take these kind of courses and whatnot. But like, as far as make, making this a part of, like, clearly, it's now created this anxiety-driven society that we now live in, and it's an issue. It's a problem. It's something that you know. How young would you say you feel that this stuff should be introduced to a child? Mm-hmm. Oh, it could be early. Yeah. I mean, you could teach kids budgeting at an early age. Just get them involved in like, hey, we're planning for a vacation. It's this amount. Help us like plan out the cost of it. You know, and just chores. even like, yeah, chores. I mean, I think when I was a kid, that's what we did. You want extra money? Here, do some chores. Here's how much you would get mm-hmm. if you did these d- additional chores. Mm-hmm. If you want more money, well, when you're 16, you could go get a job. And that's what I did. You know what I mean? But those things you could still teach to your children now. I, mean, I do think in school, though, now that you say that, like, um, this is how much this is if you want to go for a vacation. Didn't you have those kind of things in your maths classes? I'm really in, like, like, you'll have, a like, a bit, word like, problem or something like that. But it wasn't, it, like, sitting yeah. you down and being like, you know, like, this is how you budget. <laughs> exactly. Here's the credit card. It's true. Here's yeah. what a credit card is. I mean, all the life skills communication yeah. relationships we don't learn it so i think at some point you just gotta get over it yeah. and and decide you want it for yourself because we mm. can sit here all day long and complain about the things we didn't get in life or we can say you know what i didn't get it and now there's tons of resources yeah. the internet can give us a lot evolved. of things for free 
and how do I get what I need to succeed in life? Now she said, no, you, "Oh, good." So I was gonna I was gonna talk to the the viability of teaching something like this, and I think one of the reasons that it's not is uh, because it's very difficult to teach it. Um, we're all so very different, and and our relationships with money are so very different, right? So one of the things that I talk about when bringing new clients on is uh, kind of flushing out your baggage around money because we all have it from growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's very few of us that have a very healthy relationship with money. So then, how do you how do you how do you turn an unhealthy relationship into a healthy relationship? And that's not necessarily a financial thing. Mm-hmm. It's more of a psychological yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Right. So. Um, I think that that getting a I think getting a handle on on our relationship with money is more of a deeper rooted um, wh- what do you want money to accomplish for you but then kind one, of type of once you start to dissect that going back to the baggage let's say the psychological mm-hmm. emotional aspect of it referring to I guess like how you grew up with money or how it was talked about in your household to not have the bad feelings that you may have towards that at the present day because of the past, how can you just overcome that then? To yeah. let go of that baggage. Well, it takes work. Mm-hmm. It takes sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, the uh, so word the of the, of the day. Don't get to yeah, sacrifice. <laughs> I also think it takes courage yeah, to look sure. at it. I mean, I think we all know mm-hmm. we have stuff with every area of our lives, but you know, one of the things I think you might have done it at the workshop was yes. the money story activity. Yes. So you Please learn, talk about that. Yeah, it was you learn. Great. So in my workshops, I teach about yeah, get in touch with all the past experiences, the baggage with money, and how did that shape your thoughts and behaviors today? And it doesn't really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where it came from. Your parents, school, society. We're all just like mm-hmm. fed things, right? Mm-hmm. And then at one point, we have to say, okay, out of all of this. What do I want to keep that's going to serve me moving forward? And what do I want to get rid of? Mm-hmm. And I think it takes courage to get rid of the things that no longer serve you because it's almost mm-hmm. like you're letting go of an identity, of a mindset, of a concept that maybe you needed up until this point to get here now, and now you don't need anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think the courage is like, who can I become if mm-hmm. I'm not worried about money? Mm-hmm. Who can I become if I'm not constantly anxious? Well, this thing now isn't owning. This yes. thing, but that's mm-hmm. kind of scary yeah. because it's like, oh my god. Well, then who am I? Right? Like, what? What can Which I, scares I me because enjoy I money? You feel know, like no. everyone at this table has had the experience before social media really took yeah. over the world, and I think that for me personally, that. I go back to how I used to feel back then and sitting in a wo- in the woods and t- being around nature and how connected I felt to where now, you know, working, I work at the Boys and Girls Club too, and, you know, I look at a lot of the kids and they have no understanding. Like, if you were to say to them, money has actually no value here within yourself, I don't know if they actually can even identify that because of how they've now been raised and like you said back in the day it was teachers parents and newspapers telling us these things these kids are sat in front with an ipad and whatever they see online money makes the world go around every song everything is about how money does this for you without this you can't attain that and so it's scary to me that of the how much work now it's going to take to kind of Deconstruct. Yeah, that, so that, that I think that's probably what one of the major disagreements that I have with the video is that I don't think that we have 
an information problem. Mm. I think we have an awareness problem. And so if we figure out, if we're aware of what our relationship with, is with money and we're aware of the things that we want to take forward and the things that we want to leave behind, then, then it really becomes in a, a delegation game, right? Because there are certain things that you're not going to want to have to take care of. There are certain things that you do want to take care of and you want to keep close to you. So, um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about, you know, doubling down on your strengths and then punting all your weaknesses. I'm a really big believer in that, and I think that it relates to the financial realm really well. She she actually touches upon the delegation of duties. She does. And I feel like that's like on an individual spectrum, but as well on a couple spectrum. And um, I feel that's something that you've touched upon with the kids and that notion of, of not being, let's say, aware of, of what money can really do to a person. The video that Kathleen Murphy brought up of this old lady and how she had, like, saved and all that, and it was a cute story, right? But if you think about it, because she grew up in that era of World War Two, where it was very limited and, and, and it seems like women were more reliant on, on men and things have definitely evolved since women have become... You could do something with a jar of change back then. Right, you could do <laughs> And it was a physical aspect. It was a physical thing and money yeah. sounds... And something that you had said, Will, is that money has become almost this elusive thing well, because do you guys it's a use transaction cash? through cards. I exactly. Do. I like it. I do. do. But, but a lot of it's cashless. You know, yeah. I was thinking or about like this. Apps. Yeah, because the cash diet is like one of the financial planning things. If you mm. need to have awareness with your money or spending, go on a cash diet and then you'll get back in touch. But now I was thinking about it. There needs to be a new way to do this because a lot of places aren't accepting cash. Yeah. I have one. Ooh. Well, okay, I have one. It's um, so it's the swipe challenge. Have you heard of this? No, it's the swipe challenge. So, right. so set yourself a goal of how many swipes per week you can do because we're so what swipe addicted. Like dating mm-hmm. app swipes. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like right, left, no. So like car. So like every time you take car. out your car. Got it. Right. Oh, the you card swipe. Card. Or, we don't even swipe them anymore. No, we so insert the chip. Or, chip, yeah. or tap. <laughs> so, yeah. So anytime you use your card, and the, the goal is to try and do five a week. Wow. Just five. So, but start at like 15. Yeah. Like it's, it's ridiculously hard. So, but then if you can get yourself down to five a week, <laughs> then you're figuring out your relationship with how many times you're exchanging money. I mean, it get, it, How can I get the most oh out God, of this one transaction? That's impressive. I like that. Yeah. yeah, that's quite the challenge. I feel like I feel like we should try that for one week. <laughs> Swipe. Well, we'll start, I, I, start in two weeks. Admittedly, I've tried it <laughs> on payday. I, I tried yeah, exactly. Payday. I tried it for like I'm going to Costco. Forty-eight hours Stop and it. realized that I was nowhere. I mean, at the rate that I was going, I was at like twenty or close to close to thirty. As a, as the rate, so I would end up being at thirty, and I just gave up. Wow! But I'm not saying that everyone else shouldn't shouldn't try it. Yeah, that's a cool challenge. Forty eight yeah. hours. Yeah. What okay. we, so she said, uh, you know, in your earlier years, don't sit with um, an advisor. Uh, she felt that you can get the information on your own, and mm-hmm. you should go out there and do that. And then when she got into the 50s and 60s, that's when she said to go sit with an advisor. And so where, how did you guys handle that? Because she spoke about an advisor versus a planner. So, like, Tell us the difference yeah. and yeah. why she would say that and yes, when whether you, you think, agree or disagree. Because I think I should have met you all about 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, I... 
am a fee-only financial planner, so I set up my business to charge flat fees and offer advice mm. so that there was no minimum in terms of assets or income that you needed, which was the vision to help the you know, 40 and under generations, 20s, 30s, and yeah. 40s. That's dope. But that's not as rare as it was six years ago when I started. Now there's a lot of planners like us who are out there looking to help this demographic, and I don't think you should wait. I think if you want to achieve financial goals in your lifetime, the sooner you hire a financial planner, the better, because it's really getting guidance and education and awareness that could help you for the rest of your life. And there's many models, so just because you might not be making a lot of money. You can still find a planner that charges hourly and go get an hour consultation with somebody that you like and trust. You know, the CFP board, which we're both CFPs, they have a great um, search engine. So you could find a CFP in your area who you vibe with. If you want, like, someone who understands creatives or self-employed or you're an attorney, like, whatever, you can search and find the right one for you. But I think that's the biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't agree that you should wait. I think, why wait? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna wait till you're 50 to figure out that you're not on track. Anxiety. <laughs> More like, of it. I can't leave anything to my family, and then there's this whole cycle of ripple yeah. effect for the kids, right? So I have a, a bit of a different opinion, but we're we're pretty much in agreement on for for the most part. So one of the things that I tell people is that it takes the three T's to really manage your own stuff. Talking TED Talk. Yeah. Talking <laughs> TED Talk. Which are the three T's? <laughs> Which is why I'm here. (laughs) So the three T's are time, technique, and temperament. So some of us have enough time to kind of figure out our financial household and, you know, organize things and get, you know, things in order. Um, Some of us have the right technique. Well, some of us have learned it. Um, And we talked about this a little bit. It's not really taught in school, but, you know, according to our speaker, we can go and just find it online. (laughs) And then um, the last one is temperament. And most of us don't have the temperament to be able to manage our own stuff. Mm. And that is not allowing emotions to mix with money-based decisions. And that's really, really, really difficult. It's probably animals. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably, I would guess, less than 1% of the population can actually do that. Well, and it's funny because a yeah. lot of the conversation we're having, it's we've sat with therapists, psychologists, and all this, and it's literally the same exact conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's actually scarier because we do live in a world where, you know, yeah, breakup can affect your psyche and all that, but, like, a lot of us are more groomed to be able to, okay, well, that was love, and this is my life, and I have to focus. But money is something that is an automatic attachment in this world. Mm-hmm. You need money to survive, to yeah. live. We are But something we don't really talk about as well. We don't allow ourselves mm-hmm. to talk about whether that's with the family story. or yeah. friends, maybe with friends or not with your em- fellow employees and stuff like that or mm-hmm. colleagues. Do you, the other thing I had on the the, you know, don't do it in your 30s and then do it in your 50s thing is uh, I think that I think we're all about in the same generation. I don't, I'm not certain, but I'm only 21, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, girl, we're talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> but what I think is that the generation above us, and especially the one above that, is that they're very fixated on age for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that as medical technology gets better, age is becoming less of a factor. 
So it's like people are working like well into their eighties now, and it's yeah. Like, and so, what? Who are you to tell an eighty-year-old that it's like, hey, it's time for you to just, <laughs> <kind> of, <laughs> just sign it all it's time off, to just like away. kind of walk out into the woods and just you know, I mean, it's like it. We're making. I think that making uh, or giving guidance, giving advice based upon age alone, is mm-hmm. really misfounded. Yeah, it's really, totally. really misfounded because there are some twenty-year-olds. I mean, I'm meeting with. A kid in a, a couple of weeks that ended up selling his business, you know, he created an app selling his business for two and a half million dollars. Yep. That wow. 21 year old kid needs way more help, way more help than a 50 year old person that has a million dollars in the bank that doesn't have a ton of retirement goals. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's it's not even they're not even the same ballpark. So I think it's just a, a it's kind of where we've gotten to with the pace of technology and globalization and medical technology and all of this that you know people are living longer age isn't as much of a factor as it was say even 10 20 30 years ago um and so i say put age aside and let's look more you know under the hood of you know the other things that we talk about in circumstances yeah yeah being your your net worth and your you know your goals and what you're aiming at and all these things are way more important than your actual age Mm -hmm. i mean she touches upon another notion of, um, like, the women's aspect of them not feeling as confident to invest, but also another aspect of couples, mm-hmm. um, and that they need to talk about at some point because that's like the number one reason why there's divorces amongst couples because of finances. What are your thoughts on that aspect that she brings upon? Oh, for sure. Well, I think in the beginning, I focused a lot on women. Being a woman in finance, I was like my niche. Um, Because there is this extra layer that I think women have to go through with money. Like, for example, we have specific challenges. We're out of the workforce to take care of kids and our family. We don't make as much money. We still live longer. So all of these... She did say that as well. Like, on average, five years longer? Yeah. It's like, oh... Mm -hmm. So, I mean, all of these factors, and you just look at the history, like, you know, women in their 50s couldn't get a personal loan without a male cosigner, you know, so it it is like a reality that this time is like, obviously you see a lot of it, like women entrepreneurship rising, Mm -hmm. women are controlling the money, which they have for a long time now, but there is an awareness about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that brings a lot of extra need for women to seek out the education and support um, because I know in the beginning um, and I still get this a lot that women felt talked down to they didn't want to go to the traditional financial firm because they felt like it was too stuffy and they were just being like sold something not understood like the money is like strategy is the same but you just have to take the personal element and really hear the person and I think women in particular need a little bit more like okay, yes, it's not just like how much money do you have in the bank? It's like, is this going to take care of myself and my family and be be with them in a different way? So it's um, essentially saying that, yes, like they must set themselves up for success totally. before getting even into an agreement with that partner or marriage and that yeah. coupley aspect. And, you know, I've worked with thousands of people over the course of my career. And so I think even the couples, it's like you really, it's intimate. Like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a therapist, but many times <laughs> I sit sure. in these client meetings and I'm like, wow, this is really a, 
amazing experience I get to have because it's such an intimate dynamic that two people are in a relationship and then I'm like the third party and I get to see how they're interacting with money and a lot of times I've been able to like change help change the situation but yeah there is no one right way to do that either you know Mm -hmm. coming together and merging money there's many ways you can do that and it depends on what the preference is for couples out there though do you suggest for them to have separate accounts and a mutual one or or have just a mutual agreement of some form i think it really depends i like the his hers and ours or whatever his his ours or her hers ours but i think there is and for me i've just seen it it's more united when there's a plan that addresses both sides you know it's not so separate like full where, communication yeah, like yeah. at all times if we got i got hey. my account you got your account you know how much is like, going to go into my account i can spend on this i will buy my car you get your yeah whatever <laughs> it all just comes down to communication yes yeah and i well, think that you can't ever give up ownership yeah. like that's where i think the problem is right cuz even if you're in a really amazing relationship you still have to be in there and understand what's happening. Like, even if the other person is the one managing all of it, you still need to know, mm-hmm. like, what are the accounts? What's going on, you know? Right. It looks like I'm the only one on this in this table with a wedding ring on. So, therefore... Sure. Tell us. <laughs> therefore, <laughs> like I, have a, I have an interesting, or a di- probably a different perspective around this, which is that... Um, that there is no real hard and fast rule and that communication and transparency are vital. But I I found that sitting down, and I do this with clients and with my wife, and, you know, the same, is that sitting down and having financial meetings just all of a sudden puts this stress, it, it just puts this cloud over the meeting. It's like, okay, we're talking about money. It's like you're on that side of the table. I'm on this side of the table. One person's going to win. One person's going to lose. Let's go for it. It's like, wait, hold on. Meaningful times. Hold on. It's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, yeah. So what I found is if you just reframe it into we're having planning meetings, we're having having life planning meetings, we're having goal, we're goal planning meetings. And you're talking about money within that meeting, but you're also talking about all the things you want to do and, you know, when we have kids and when we're going to buy a house and all of the, the exciting stuff, right? And then from there, after you've figured out what you're aiming at, you can back into how to get there. But but sitting down today and being like, you really had to go to Victoria's Secret today? Like, <laughs> Why? Out of all the days, or, you know... so Also so less I, shaming, I think, too. Because yeah. I think that that is something that's like, you know... I, I hear that with my parents, too, you know? They, they actually have a great... She's an accountant, so... I, Wait, your mom? It, it just works out, okay. yeah. But I have heard things like that, you know? It's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And they install that of the shame conversation right. is that... You know, my mom's like, we don't go on trips. We don't do this. We don't do that. I went to Victoria's Secret. Like, this is what I mm-hmm. bought. And, that, you know, that got to them planning, sitting down, creating, like, okay, so this is our whatever account. If whatever you go to Best Buy, you know that you can only use this card for that. And really, again, communication, sacrificing, mm-hmm. saying, you know what? Like, she went to Victoria's Secret last month, so <laughs> I'm going to just not get my TV now. And, you know, really yeah. having that 
that bond and honestly it should be fun to a yeah. certain point you know i mean i was just gonna ask you let's say aside from dates like between you and your wife let's say we don't do those. okay well okay. we have financial planning dates we're planning planning meetings so do you set them up on a regular basis yes. like once a week or once a month yeah. or something once a week, Google once calendar, a week. yeah phone goes off well <laughs> actually i i tell my wife it, it's not on my calendar it doesn't exist but um <laughs> <laughs> Check out that one. So what we do is once a week we sit down and we look through cash flow. I call it razor blade. So we sit down and we're getting razor razor accurate on what we've spent over the past week and what's coming up in the next week. And then once a month we sit down with the entire plan, which the the 15-minute meeting or the, the meeting I just explained is about 15 minutes and then we sit down you know, for maybe a half hour and just kind of survey the land and see if we're aiming towards all of the goals that we've have set. And we have all of the goals we have set written down because if you don't write it down, it doesn't exist either. <laughs> so we get into, we have our Teddy's Twitter poll, which segues nicely into the uh, weekly meetings and discussions. Mm. We uh, asked three questions. So the first one was, do you budget on a weekly, monthly, or yearly basis? 54% said yes, whereas 46% said no. So... That's positive-ish. Yeah, more than half. Um, and then, did someone or an institution teach you how to invest? 21% said yes, whereas 79% said no. So that's fairly sad. There's obviously a high demand and need for people like yourselves and um, or, or to go find those resources to really learn how to invest. Mm. And so, yes, uh, the third question was, do you know how to invest? And 35% said yes, whereas 65% said no. Um, so that's quite a high number. Well, that's it why we want to have this. We spark say, your interest and find you a financial planner. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, like, and these, most of them are, are millennials as well. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> so what we'd like to do to wrap the show up is we like to do a tangible tool. So each one of you, I guys want you guys to give us a tool that a viewer... You know, they haven't been, they don't even know that this was an issue for them, right? Yes. How, what's the first thing you would recommend them to start to start getting into the flow of, you know, making sure that they are now in control of their finances? Mm-hmm. Oh. Who's going to go first? You <laughs> well, I have. I'm going to do the swipe, do I, so that's I, one. You already got that one, so go yeah, ahead, give so us another one. Another one besides the swipe one. Um, well, I actually have a couple more, but. I'll, I'll lead with kind of a shameless plug one, which is I wrote a piece of financial planning software, which is going to come out in um, about a month or so, which is I'm going to offer free to the public because I think there's certain things that really should be free to help people kind of get oh. going. Um, and what it is is you can answer 50 questions, and it, it, they're really simple questions, right, like your name and how much you make and how much you're saving and how much debt you have and all of that. And, and then it'll spit back in prioritization form the top one, two, three, four, and five things that you should work on. Okay. And what it is, it's based upon the ratios that we all learn in, in finance and CFP. And what's the name is, of that so people can... It's a, it's it's called Young Atlas. That's the name of the, the software. It's Young Atlas. Youngatlas.com, which the front part of that website is there, so you can take a look at it. But it's, back to what yeah. I was saying, it's, it's, big, it's based on ratios. So, you know, if you are say, 31 years old and you have a debt-to-income ratio of higher than X percent, then that's probably, you know, in the top five of priorities that you should start paying down and get it below the threshold. And then once you get it below the threshold, the software will say, perfect, you did it. And then it'll tell you the next one to do. 
Mm-hmm. And so I kind of it's kind of a um, it's kind of like a gamified version of um, uh, the the kind of current financial aggregation tools out there, like Mint and all those other things, where you can um, you know put your stuff in it and you can track it and all that stuff. I think that like going back to my awareness comment, I think that that we're we're in an awareness deficit right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be more inclusive. Yeah, love it, Brittany. Um, mine's actually kind of similar to your tip, which is have the weekly money dates. That's what I call them. Mm. So whether you're single or married or in a planning relationship with someone, you can start this now. Once a week for one hour is what I say. Just do something related to money. You can look at your budget. You can read an article. You can check out products. I have courses or workshops. You know, there's so many things out there. But I think it's all about building the almost like muscle the financial muscle because it never ends by the way the relationship never ends <laughs> it never ends so money's going to be around for the rest of our lives we might as well start to have fun with it be romantic with it you know so i like to use the word money date because it kind of sets the tone as a little bit different than like a stressful like, yeah. session so or financial of a planning strategy thing, it's a money date that's yeah, what you're going to have with your <laughs> but you know do that commit to it once a week no matter how you feel I don't you know it's yeah. like sometimes you don't want to go like mm-hmm. for me I don't want to go to yoga but I go because <laughs> I know it feels better when I do go you know there's yeah. things you know what this that- sounds like Sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I have a lot of tools. On we my should have had a drinking too. game tonight. <laughs> I remember doing that actually after yeah. you suggested it, and I did it with a friend. So you always yeah, want to make money it buddies, fun. money buddies, money maybe. buddies. Yeah. Yes. And maybe that uh, five swipe thing. Yeah, okay. So we've got a lot of challenges I'm going to try it on a weekend. I know I'm not yeah. going out. Well, where can, ev- Tokyo. where can everyone follow you guys? Keep in contact uh, for your new projects you guys have coming up. Yeah, follow me on Instagram, Brittany Castro. Boom. Oh. Easy. What, wait, easy. what about financially wise? Financially wise, inc.com has everything mm. my courses, my services, my speaking, videos, whatever you need. Pretty amazing. Awesome. Will. Um, the, um, so Instagram is always, I think it's probably kind of ubiquitous now. So I'm at Will Raspin. Um, I think a book, my book is actually a good place to start for me. So it's Atlas Shift. Go to atlasshift.com. Um, that's where my book website is. You can check it out and order it there if you want. Amazing. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks. It was really insightful, and we hope everybody that was listening and watching, especially uh, Charlie Peters, who said he's hey. going to miss us. It's all right, Charlie. Thank you you, you take the break. Get your finances together. Stay off social media. You know what I mean? The holidays <laughs> well, are coming hard. up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yes. Well, we're done for the season, but we will be back hey. in a couple of months' time. So stay tuned. Follow us on Talking Ted Talks. And where can everybody find you, Jesse? Boom. You guys can hit me up everywhere at DJ Jesse J and us at AfterBuzz TV across all social media platforms. Yes. yes. And myself at Yasmin Tanres. And don't forget to hit the five star on iTunes and leave a comment. Boom. Thank you. And follow us at Talking Ted Talks too for all your updates. Peace. Bye. <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.